I really need to read about 19 verses for sake of context. So I'll let you remain seated and we'll read these verses together. 2 Kings chapter 20 and verse number 1. The Bible said, In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. And the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amoz, came to him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Then he turned his face to the wall and prayed unto the Lord, saying, I beseech thee, O Lord, remember now how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart, and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. And it came to pass, before Isaiah was gone out into the middle of the court, that the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Turn again, and tell Hezekiah, the captain of my people, Thus saith the Lord God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer. I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will heal thee on the third day, and thou shalt go up into the house of the Lord." I will, and I will add unto thy days fifteen years, and I will deliver thee and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. And Isaiah said, Take a lump of figs, and they took and laid it on the bowl, and he recovered. And Hezekiah said unto Isaiah, What shall be the sign of the Lord that the Lord will heal me? And he said, I shall, uh, and he said that I shall go up into the house of the Lord the third day. And Isaiah said, This sign shalt thou have of the Lord, that the Lord will do uh, the thing that he has spoken. Shall the shadow go forward ten degrees, or go back ten degrees? And Hezekiah answered, It is a like thing for the shadow to go down ten degrees. Nay, but let the shadow return backwards ten degrees. And Isaiah the prophet cried unto the Lord, and he brought the shadow ten degrees backwards, by which it had gone down by the dial of Ahaz. And at that time, and I got, I had this guy's name written out too because he has one of them difficult names like we dealt with in Sunday school this morning, if you know what I mean. Barodak Baladan. He's got a, it just rolls right off the tongue, don't it? At that time, that fellow, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present unto Hezekiah, for he had heard that Hezekiah had been sick. And Hezekiah hearkened unto him and showed him all the house of his precious things the silver and the gold and the spices and the precious ointment and all the house of his armor uh, that was found in his treasuries and there was nothing in his house nor in all his dominion that Hezekiah showed them not then came Isaiah the prophet unto king Hezekiah and said unto him what said these men and from whence came they unto thee and Hezekiah said they are come from a far country even from Babylon and he said, What have they seen in thine house? And Hezekiah answered, All the things that are in mine house have they seen. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not showed them. And Isaiah said unto Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days come that all that is in thine house and that which thy fathers have laid up in store this day shall be carried into Babylon. Nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. And of thy sons that shall issue from thee, which thou shalt beget, they shall, uh, they shall they take away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Then said Hezekiah unto Isaiah, Good is the word of the Lord, which thou hast spoken. And he said, is it not good if peace and truth be 
in my days. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, I want to thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for this text you brought us to. And, Lord, this thought you've given us out of the Scripture. I pray, Lord, you help us to deliver this message like you put it in our heart. And, uh, Lord, like you want it. And let preaching be what it needs to be today. And, Lord, may most of all, may Jesus Christ be magnified and always say or do in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Contrary to popular belief, Hezekiah is not a book in the Bible. I had a friend of mine some years ago was at a youth meeting and he was trying to have some fun with the teenagers because all teenagers have the personality of that pew right there and, uh, you know, just kind of bland. And, you know, it's amazing they can't talk. Uh, you know, it's like they turn 12 and they start grunting. They revert back to the caveman days. Uh, uh. And then finally, when they turn 20, they start talking. We wish they would have stayed quiet. Somebody say amen right there. Uh, but anyway, he was trying to have some fun and trying to relate to him. He says, all right, take your Bibles and turn to Hezekiah chapter number 2. Well, all the teenagers are looking, and he's, he's you know, kind of chuckling on the inside. Well, he felt bad because the pastor was sitting on the front row, and the pastor was flipping through his Bible. Well, he didn't want to embarrass the pastor. He said, wait a minute. God's changed my message. Turn to John chapter 2. <laughs> So Hezekiah is not a book in the Bible. Hezekiah is a king. He was the king of Judah. I want to say just a couple things uh, by way of introduction about Hezekiah. When you think about Hezekiah this morning, uh, we note the sovereignty of Hezekiah. Verse number 1 reminds us, and looking back to chapter number 18, reminds us that Hezekiah uh, was the king. We're reminded of his reign in 2 Kings chapter 18. Verse 1 and 2 teaches us uh, that he reigned for 25 years uh, there, 29 years, rather, over Judah. He became king at the age of 25 years old. And he reigned as kings. And notice his reputation in chapter 18, verse 3. The Bible said, And he did uh, that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David his father did. Uh, what a good reputation to have uh, that you did what was right. Uh, we got a lot of people in the world that are doing what's wrong. Uh, but may God give us some people uh, that just want to live by that motto, just do what is right and honor God and live for God. We've got enough people living wrong. We need some people that'll live right and that'll honor God and that'll stand for truth when it's popular and when it's not popular. And I'll be honest with you, I don't think it's ever been popular to do right and live right for God. So that means you're going to have to stand in unpopular times and an unpopular day but having done all to stand, we're to stand therefore. He had that reputation that he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. But then we think about the revival that God let him see. Chapter 18, verse 4. Here's what Hezekiah did. He removed the high places and he break the images and cut down the groves and break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For under those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it and he called it Nehushtan. He said, we're going to get rid of these idols. We're going to make sure we're not worshiping uh, anything around here. I mean, Hezekiah, he's having revival. Uh, he's breaking down the images. He's getting rid of the idols. He's even removing the idolatry uh, that gets in the church. By the way, you know, people still uh, worship the church. They worship the building. So I say, well, I don't believe that. You let somebody change the color of the carpet. Let somebody replace the pews. Uh, let somebody restrap the parking lot and move things around. And somebody lose their parking spot. Uh, you let somebody uh, move something, you'll find out who worships the building and who don't. Amen. I, I, I love our building. I thank God. Uh, but, but walls have to be painted.
it and carpet has to be replaced and window units have to be put in. Somebody say amen right there. There's things that have to update and do and we want to make sure, uh, God forbid, I've said over and over again, uh, but if we lose this building, we don't lose our church. Uh, the church is the body of Christ. We could be under a pine tree somewhere and somebody say, well, I'd be hot. Well, I'm sweating all the time anyway, so it don't make much difference to me. Uh, but we could meet together and still worship and sing and pray and worship God and preach the word of God. We don't need to worship the church. That's what the Israelites were doing, these, these people in Judah. And Hezekiah said, we're not going to do that. He had a revival. And then I thought about this. He had resolved. Chapter 18, verse 5, he trusted in the Lord as God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were foreign. For he claimed to the Lord and departed not from following him. Boy, ain't that good. I mean, here's a man. He just served God with everything he had. He claimed to the Lord. He didn't depart from the will of the Lord for his life. I tell you, he lived an obedient life unto God. Hey, we got enough people uh, that are living contrary to that book. Uh, they're living contrary to the word of God. Uh, their life is disobedient. God is not pleased by that. May God give us some people. Uh, they'll just make up their mind. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to stand for God. It don't matter if my friends like it. It don't matter if my family likes it. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to be crude. Uh, but as for me and my house, uh, we will serve the Lord. Oh, where are the Daniels of this day? Where are the Joshuas of this day? Oh, where are the Davids of this day? Oh, where are the three Hebrew boys of this day? Oh, that'll take a stand oh, in an unpopular society and in a wicked world. Thank God for Hezekiah, a leader of a nation. Must be nice. A leader of a nation that had a backbone oh, that says, I'm going to live for God. I'm going to trust in the Lord. I'm going to honor God with my life. Amen. We know about the sovereignty of Hezekiah. But there's a lot of things we can say, but then we notice in our text we read this morning about the sickness of Hezekiah. These we, we learn about Hezekiah's sickness. The Bible teaches us that Isaiah, we notice uh, the pronouncement of death. Isaiah comes, and this is the Isaiah that authored the book of Isaiah. Isaiah comes and he informs Hezekiah that he needs to set his house in order because he's going to die. We know the, the pronouncement of death, but there is the prayer that was desperate. Isaiah leaves Hezekiah, and Hezekiah turns his face to the wall, and he begins to pray, and he begins to call out to God. And I don't believe there's anything wrong oh, with Hezekiah's prayer in these verses. He said, Lord, I've tried to honor you. I've tried to live for you. Uh, and Lord, would you spare my life? And he Isaiah is walking out of the courtyard, and while Isaiah is on his way out, uh, the Spirit of God speaks to Isaiah and tells him to go back and tells Hezekiah uh, that he's going to had 15 years to his life. Boy, ain't that amazing? We know about the sovereignty of, of Hezekiah. And we know about and this the sickness of Hezekiah. But then the sparing of Hezekiah. You know why God did not allow Hezekiah to die? It was the mercy of God. God had mercy. And I want to, you know why God answered, amen. Uh, you know, a lot of people, we get prideful in our prayer sometimes. If we're not careful, we'll say, God answered my prayer. And instead of giving God the glory for that, we're making it look like, boy, you see, man, I'm some great prayer warrior. God answered my prayer. Hey, I want to remind us all this morning, we can say, you can say that two ways. God answered my prayer and it be lifted up in pride. Or it can be God answered my prayer. Hey, I'm telling you, anytime God answers any of our prayers, 
prayers. It is nothing more uh, than the mercy of God. Amen. Aren't you glad? There's been a few times uh, when God has answered my, more than a few, thank God. There's been many times when God has heard and answered my prayers and He's done what my friends couldn't do. He's done what my preacher buddies couldn't do. He's done what nobody else could do. Uh, but God done that. Anybody know about that this morning? Uh, when the situation was bad and uh, when things looked hard, uh, God heard from the glory world and God reached that hand down and God intervened in that situation and it was nothing more uh, than the mercy of God. Aren't you glad His mercies are new every morning? God don't have to do anything for me. God don't owe me anything. Uh, but when He heard my prayers and He meets my needs, it's nothing more than the mercy of God. It's nothing on me. I have nothing to brag about. I can't lift up myself. I can't brag on my name. Oh, but I can lift up the name of Jesus Christ. I can lift up the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That is the mercy of God that He hears my prayers. Aren't you glad for that? God don't have to answer one prayer you pray. But He does that because He's merciful. Hey, man, he's merciful. Aren't, hey, man, aren't you glad you did not get justice, but you got mercy, man? If we got justice, uh, we'd all be in hell this morning. But aren't you glad uh, that we have an advocate with the Father, uh, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, uh, but for the sins of the whole world, amen? It's the mercy of God. His mercy endureth forever, amen? We notice the mercy of God in the sparing of Hezekiah. But we notice the mandate of God. He said in verse number 5, Behold, I will heal thee, and on the third day thou shalt go up to the house of the Lord. Uh-oh. God answered a prayer, and then expected Hezekiah to be in church. Ain't that good? Ain't that good? Amen. Somebody said, Preacher, I'm here. Good. We'll talk about all the people that ain't here. Oh, God, if you'll do this, I'll go to church every Sunday. And God does it, and you ain't seen him. Amen. Couldn't find him with FBI search warrant. Somebody help me. Amen. I'm telling you, God expects, if we're not careful, oh, we're nothing more than a bunch of these liberal Democrats that have their hands out, always crying for a handout, and we never give God any appreciation, and we never give God any praise, and we never give God any glory. I mean, he puts breath in our body every day. Uh, he protects us. He got us to church safely this morning. Uh, have you rode on the road recently? Obviously, ours a bunch of nuts out there, especially when I'm driving, amen, and, and I appreciate nobody shouting right there when that's road with me, when, when, when Richie goes with me, he just go ahead and takes the keys and starts driving, he don't ask, preacher, you want me to drive, he just go ahead and gets in the driver's seat, amen, but what I'm saying this morning is God kept you safe on the road, oh, God gave you food, oh, God gave you provisions, oh, we all had to decide what outfit we was going to wear today, oh, and we all had to make those decisions, some of us decided what car we was going to drive, I'll tell you, God's been good to us, God that's so many prayers so it shouldn't be much for us to go to church and to read the Bible and to pray and to say thank you yeah. amen amen don't you pick on that liberal crowd that wants a handout wants their student loans paid and they just want a lot of stuff for a whole lot of nothing when you're not willing to uh, worship the Lord and the beauty of his holiness and give God the praise that is due to his name preacher I don't feel like praising God well next time your power bills due and you don't feel like paying it don't pay it You'll be sitting in the dark. You know why you pay? I don't pay. I don't ever feel like paying any of my bills. Somebody help me. 
I don't feel like, I'm like, oh boy, I get to pay bills today. You know why I pay my bills? Because they're due. Psalm 29 says, give unto the Lord the glory due to His name. I don't worship God because I feel like it. I worship God because it's due. Amen. And when I got up this morning, I had breath in my body and I had an invoice. Did you know that? You had an invoice too. Because the Bible said, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. So I received an invoice. Every time I take a breath, another invoice is being dropped in my box that I've got to do amen give the Lord the glory due to his name that's why you ought to say amen at church that's why you ought to sing at church that's why you ought not sit here like a wooden Indian amen you ought to come to church and be excited you ought to stay awake during the preaching you ought to say amen you ought to sing amen you ought to testify you ought to be glad to be in church you ought to smile some of y'all can't even smile if you smile if you smile your face would fall off Amen. I'm just telling you this morning, we ought to come to church and be excited and give the Lord the glory due to His name. Amen. And you ought to be on time too. Amen. Amen. That's right. That ain't in the verse, but I just threw it in there for good measure. Amen. Notice the miracle of God. I hadn't even got where I'm preaching yet. The miracle of God, verses 8 through 11. Hezekiah requests that God will give him a sign that he's really going to heal him. And that he's really going to do that. And Isaiah said, okay, you want God to move the shadow, talking about the sun, you want God to move the, sh- the sun 10 degrees forward, make the day shorter, move it 10 degrees backward, make the day longer. And Hezekiah said, what's well, the light thing for him to make the day shorter? Because we can see days getting shorter. He, but obviously this was times when the days were longer, or, or, or days were already shorter. He said, so have God move it 10 degrees backward, give us a little more daylight. By the way, God done that before in the book of Joshua for Joshua. Y'all remember that battle? What did God do? God moved it back and proved himself. Boy, that was a miracle. That was a miracle God did. Amen. But I'm not preaching on the sovereignty of Hezekiah. I'm not preaching on the sickness or the sparing of Hezekiah. But I'm interested this morning for the next, wow, 13 minutes. That's terrible, ain't it? I'm interested in the sin of Hezekiah. He made an awful mistake. Amen. In these ver- I ain't going to worry about the time. I'm just going to preach. Amen. I'm, it, it ain't, it's only 1140. I'm just going to preach. Amen. In these verses, we learn that Hezekiah made some vital mistakes in the additional years that God gave him. Look at verse number 14. This is our text. Then came Isaiah the prophet unto King Hezekiah and said unto him, What said these men? From whence came they unto thee? And Hezekiah said, They are come from a far country. Even from Babylon. I have preached so much about people going to the far country. Going to the far country. We use the prodigal son. How he took all his father's wealth that was allotted to him. And he went to the far country. Amen. We've heard that preached on. Hezekiah didn't go to the far country. Hezekiah brought the far country into his home. It's what he said in these verses. He brought the Babylonians in. Showed him all of his house. I want to preach on this morning. Bringing the far country into your home. That's what he did. I want us to know, number one, the identification. Look at verse number 12. We're introduced this name, man, named uh, Barrero Dak Baladan. And he is the son of Baladan, the king of, the king of Babylon. Notice the depiction. Babylon, throughout the word of God, is always a picture of rebellious ways, 
the rule of the world, and the reputation of wickedness. Babylon is never in a positive sense. Babylon is never in, is in a positive light. It's always picturing the world. It's always picturing wickedness. You remember when in Genesis chapter number 11, that tower of Babel. Oh, when they're building that tower up to God. And they're trying, they weren't going to get to God, but it was an element of pride. Let us make us a name. It was an element of pride. And they were living in pride. And God uh, confounded the languages there at Babel. And, and that's where Babylon come from. We know studying the prophecy that Babylon, uh, religious Babylon and, 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 and financial Babylon will be big during the tribulation period and all that kind of stuff. And Babylon, the great whore of Babylon, Revelation 19 talks about. And so you've got all these things going on with Babylon. In other words, Babylon is never in a positive sense. But that's what he brought into his house. The depiction. Notice the deception. Look at verse number 12 again, please. And at that time, Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present unto Hezekiah, for he had heard that Hezekiah had been sick. Ain't that nice? He heard Hezekiah had been sick, so he sends him a card. I don't know if he sent him flyers. The Bible says he sent him a present. I don't know if he sent flyers. I don't know if he sent an Amazon gift card. I don't know what he sent him, but he sent him a present. But you know what it was? It was all a tactical move by Babylon to infiltrate Judah. It was all a tactic to try to sneak in. You know, that's where the world is. They want to sneak in and deceive you. The flesh, amen. You know what Hezekiah, he gets, he gets that letter. He gets that gift. You know what he might have thought? Well, wasn't that nice? Them Babylonians ain't as bad as what I heard they were. Nobody from Judah sent me a card. Nobody from Judah sent me a get well Amazon gift card. Somebody said, it wasn't that. Well, you don't know what it was. Your guess is as good as mine. It could have been a gift card. I mean, they're not far from the Amazon where they're at. Amen. Uh, but what I'm saying is in this text, that he's, he might have thought, well, they're not as bad as I thought they were. That's the way deception is with the world. Well, I can let this music in my home. It's really not that bad. Well, I can let uh, this movie in my home. It's really not that bad. I mean, I can let uh, this ideology in my home, I can let this false Bible in my home, it's really not that bad, but it's deception. It's deception. That's the way the world is. It wants to deceive you. Well, and, and parents, let me preach this. I know we got a lot of uh, young people, and I, I preached about that ostrich on Wednesday night. Hope you enjoyed that. And, and, and I know a little boy was here the night. He went home and told his grandma everything about that I said about the ostrich. Amen. And I said, bless her heart. Uh, but anyway, uh, uh, I preached to parents and talked about who, you know, who they're talking to and who they're around. Uh, but y'all not, as they get older, y'all don't even let them date a lost person. Yeah. Don't let them date somebody that don't go to church. Amen. I'm of the persuasion, don't even let them date somebody that's not a Baptist, don't even believe like you do. They ain't going to do them and cause friction and problems in their home. Did you know you could fall in love with the wrong person? Amen. I understand they can, people can get right and people can get saved and all that kind of stuff, but I'm just saying you ought to set the precedence uh, that we're not going to be deceived. I can tell you of so many situations where it's been a, it, it, it don't matter if it's a guy or a girl, some, 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 some punk, that can be a guy or a girl. Sneak into a church, put on a facade, take some good young person out, and less than two years they're out of church. Why? Babylon came in. Deception came in. I know it happens. I've seen it. Deception. Notice only the identification. Notice the invitation. Look at verse 13. Notice his hearkening. And Hezekiah hearkened unto them. Apparently, in this letter that the king of Babylon sent, he requested to come and visit Judah. 
He requested to come and visit. And so that's why Hezekiah hearkened. The word hearken means to hear, to listen to, to obey, to give consent to. That's why I think that in that letter of Babylon, he says, hey, I know you've been sick. You mind if we come visit you? I mean, that's what you do to sick people. You go visit them. And, and so he allows them. He invites them into their home. What are we letting in our homes? What are we letting in our minds? What are we letting in our houses? What doors are we opening? Hey, you may open that door, but it don't mean you can shut it. You may open up that door, but that don't mean you can, you can shut it and get it back like it was. The invitation is hearkening. But then notice the hospitality. Watch what, watch what Hezekiah did. And he showed him all the house of his precious things, the silver and the gold and the spices and the precious ornaments and all the house of his armor and all that was found in his treasuries. Hezekiah welcomes the Babylonians into his home with open arms and shows him every room in his house. I mean, literally, he's walking around. He's, come here, Barrow back Baladan. He kind of looks like one, don't he? Hey, he said, come on, I want to show you, I want to show you my house. I want to show you, look in this room over here. It's really hot in here, we got to get a window unit, uh, but it's, this is the room here. And then, and then look out here, it's raining, you don't want to go out there. And so, <laughs> and he just shows, he takes him to every room in his house, walks around, shows him everything. I mean, he walks him up and down, uh, every crevice, he shows, and look at that right there, look at this right here, look at Steve video on the piano. I mean, he just walks all over the place, he shows him everything in his house, shows him Everything. The Bible said there wasn't one thing in his house that he didn't show him. Then it goes on to say, Brother Richie, that there wasn't anything in his dominion. So the house is where he lived, but the dominion is what he had. I didn't tell you to sit down. Sit down. (laughs) The dominion is what he had authority over. So not only does he have his house, but that could mean the temple. Because he's the king. So then... Come see my church. Now look at look at all these treasures we have. Look at all these treasures we have. Look at all these treasures we have. Look at look at all these look at all these treasures we have. This is silver treasures. And and look at look at all these treasures we have. I'm coming. <laughs> look at all these look at all these treasures. Look at this look at this gorilla that we have here. Amen. Look at all. It shows him everything. Then he takes them to other people's homes. His dominion, because the king, he's got dominion over all, and he's taken them all to the city, and he's showing them everything. What nothing they didn't take Babylon into. Babylon didn't come in. Barrow back, Baladan didn't come in with a sword and a spear, showing he walked in and was treated with hospitality, led everywhere. Opened every door, opened every room, opened every treasure chest, everything. Most likely, I believe he did, took him into the temple, showed him everything. There's the, there's the identification. There is the invitation. But then look at verse number 14. I, I wrote this down. He allowed the world to have full access to his house, his home, and his life. Notice the inquiring, verse 14. This inquiring involves a confrontation. Then came Isaiah the prophet and the king Hezekiah. God sent a preacher, a prophet, to come and confront the king over what he allowed in his home. Somebody said, Isaiah didn't have no business doing that. Yeah, he did. He washed for his soul. 
He was the man of God in in Hezekiah's life. God had used Isaiah to be a blessing to Hezekiah. And God stirs in Hezekiah's heart, or Isaiah's heart. So you need to go find out about that, the confrontation. Notice the concern. Here's what Isaiah said, verse 14, and said unto them, What said these men? And from whence came they unto thee? Well, I just don't want that preacher getting in my business. Why does he care what I listen to? Why does he care what I wear? Why does he care what I watch? It ain't none of his business. Oh, you're right. You're, a, you're an adult. You can make decisions. But if I know of something that's dangerous, I'm going to let you know. Hey, brother, brother Charles, if we're outside uh, weed-eating or cutting grass or maybe cutting down some trees like we will later this year, and I'm over there cutting down a tree or whatever, that'll be a sight, me and a chainsaw. And over there cutting down a tree, and I look, and I see a copperhead scroll uh, heading towards Brother Charles, I'm going to say, ah, it'll be all right. I don't want to offend Brother Charles by getting in his business and telling him that a copperhead is crawling up behind him. I don't want to offend him because, I mean, after all, he might like copperheads. And who am I? Who am I to deprive him of spending time with a copperhead? So I'm not going to say anything. He would want me to yell. He'd want me to throw the chainsaw at the copperhead. Amen. I mean, he'd want me to do everything I could to alert. Hey, brother, copperhead's coming up behind you. You're on a work site. Boards later. Hey, now watch out. There might be some boards with some nails sticking up. Well, I may want to step on a nail. You're all getting in my business. I may want to get a tetanus shot. That's the way people act, though. Well, I don't want that preacher preaching on how I ought to live, how, what I ought to listen to, what I ought to dread. They get all in my bed. Isaiah didn't care. He said, what did they say? Who are they? And what did you show them? Now, I'm not to lord over God's heritage. No, 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 no. But I'm to preach the Word of God and warn you about sin and warn you about dangers. Notice the compliance, verse 15. He said, what have they seen in thine house? And Hezekiah answered, all the things that are in my house have they seen. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not showed them. It's like he's proud of that. Notice the indictment, verse number 16. Because of his foolishness and invitation allowing the world in his home, the prophet Isaiah pronounced an indictment or consequences for his foolish choices. In other words, there was a high cost for his low living. What did it cost him? Well, first of all, it cost him the contents of his house. Verse 16, And Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days come that all that is in thy house, that which thy fathers have laid up and stored in this day, shall be carried into Babylon. There shall nothing be left, saith the Lord. That's why I believe he took him to all the houses, all the streets in Judah. Because God said, there ain't going to be nothing left that you showed him. And they come in and they ravaged Judah. He lost everything that he showed the Babylonians. He lost the contents of his house, and he lost the children of his home. Verse 18, And of thy sons that shall issue from thee, which thou shalt beget, they shall take away, they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Far worse than losing his possessions, far worse than losing his treasures, he said, you're going to lose your children. They're going to be carried off to Babylon. Because he allowed the world in his home, it cost him his family. It cost him. Now here's the last thing. Notice the indifference. Verse 19. The word indifference is not a word we use much. Here's what it means. It means a lack of interest, concern, or sympathy. Watch his indifference. Watch the acceptance of the word. Verse 19. Then said Hezekiah unto Isaiah, Good is the word of the Lord which thou hast spoken. Now let's bring it to 2023. We're in July, right? July 2023. My birthday's coming up in September, for anybody that don't know. It's coming up. 
Here's what, here's what Hezekiah did. That was a good sermon, preacher. Thank you. A good word today, preacher. Good is the word of the Lord. So how do you know that? Because I see it every week. I'll preach on things. I'll preach. Somebody said, you going to preach on things you know I'm doing? Yes. Why? Why would I preach on things that other people are doing at other churches that ain't going to hear me? I'm trying to help you. That's like a doctor saying, all right, um, you come in here with a broke arm, uh, but uh, I don't want to offend you, so we're going to work on your leg. I've got a patient down the room that's got a broken leg. Because I don't want to offend you by identifying that you have a broken arm. That's what all these preachers do when they want to preach on sin. I have a problem with these preachers that want to blow the sins of the nation out, but they won't say one word about the sins of their congregation. They won't blow the politicians out, but they won't say nothing about the hippies. Amen. They won't say nothing about the immodesty. Amen. I'm not against helping people and teaching people, but I'm talking about people that know better. And they just won't preach against nothing. You ought to thank God. That I, I'm not saying thank God for me, but thank God we have preaching around here, not just me, that preaches where we live. This is not right. Draw, some guys I wish would just say something. Anything. Say, say you don't like the devil. At least be against something. Amen. He said, boy, he said, good is the word of the Lord. That was a good sermon, Isaiah. The acceptance of the word, but watch the apathy of his ways. And he said, is it not good if peace and truth be in my days? His response was this. Well, as long as everything's good in my days, I'm good with it. He, j- he was just told, your whole kingdom's going to be ravished. He was just told, your children are going to be taken to Babylon. Your boys are going to be made eunuchs. And we're in mixed company, but that's not good. They're going to be tortured. They're going to have flesh hooks put in their chest and drugged to Babylon. He said, it's all right. As long as I got it good. What a selfish man. Notice the, here's how I know he's selfish. The absence of weeping. Look at verse number 19 again. And he said, it's not good if peace and truth be in my days. And Hezekiah wept. No, it don't say that. Oh, but when he got sick, look at verse number 3. And Hezekiah wept sore. Because it's about him. About my sickness. Boy, i got to have some help. But when it comes to his children and, the, and, his, and his nation, his church, if you would, it's all right. That's what happens when you bring the far country in your home. You'll become apathetic. We don't even know how to weep anymore. There's an interesting verse in the parallel reading of this, Second Chronicles chapter 32, verse 31. The writer of Chronicles, whoever that might be, Charles Mayer wrote it, I'm not sure. That's his guess as good as mine. But he makes this statement. He's summarizing Hezekiah's life, and he makes this statement. Howbeit in the business of the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon, who sent unto him to inquire of the wonder that was done in the land. This is so interesting. God left him to try him, that he might know all that was in his heart. Brother Rich, I have a hard time wrapping my mind around that, but it's almost like God stepped back and said, I'm going to see what he's going to do. Now, let's make the application. Hezekiah's in a bad sickness, and he prays, and God hears his prayer, and we're shouting about that mercy, are we not? What are you going to do with the extra 15 years God bless you with? 
I submit to you, you listen to this preacher this morning, I submit to you that it had been better for Hezekiah if God had not answered his prayer. There are some prayers left better unanswered. It had been better for Hezekiah if God would have said, No, you're going to die. Brother Richie, I'm even going to step out to say Israel would not have went into Babylonian captivity had Hezekiah not prayed that prayer. Because it is here when God makes that indictment, you're going to be carried into Babylon. Judah's going to be carried. We know Israel had already been, the kingdom split. Israel's already been taken to Assyrian captivity. And Judah's the last one standing. I submit to you, Judah would have been standing if God had said no. Well, it's God's fault. No, it's not. God answered, all right, I'm going to give you 15 more years of mercy. Now, what are you going to do with it? Hey, friend, what are you going to do with all that mercy God showed you? God spared you from car wrecks. God spared you from death. God has spared you from wrecking your life. What are you going to do with all that mercy? What are you going to do with all that compassion? What are you going to do with all that favor God's given you? You going to be like Hezekiah? He's, God's done said, I'm going to live 15 more years. I'm going to go jump off a building. I'm going to do what I want to do. Because I'm guaranteed 15 years because God answered my prayer. He got lifted up in pride because God answered his prayer. Now, I know we don't hear preaching like this much. And we don't like to hear this preach, kind of preaching. But there are some prayers of ours that God don't need to answer. Are you hearing me? There are some prayers that we pray that God does not need to answer. And we're sitting over a crowd like a three-year-old. God does not love me anymore. He don't answer my prayer. Oh, get over it. Quit posting it on Facebook. I'm going to unfollow you if you don't quit. We just feel all bad. God, God might not want you to answer that prayer because you might birth a Manasseh who is one of the most wickedest kings in Israel. The next chapter in 2 Chronicles chapter 33 will tell you about that. He's a wicked king. He got right with God at the end when it's done too late. Hezekiah was conceived during that extra 15 years that God gave. or Manasseh was conceived in that extra 15 years that God gave Hezekiah. It would have been better if God had not answered his prayer. Because Hezekiah did not respond right to the favor and the mercy of God in his life. He took it as, well, I'm going to do what I want to now. In fact, I'm going to bring Babylon in. I'm going to show them everything I've got. I'm going to show them my home. I'm going to show them my family. And well, Hezekiah, you're going to lose your kingdom and you're going to lose your children. Ah, that's all right. Long's good in my days. So whatever you're praying about and God's not giving you, I'm not talking about praying for the salvation of a soul. Amen. You understand that. I'm not praying, I'm not against you praying for somebody that's sick. That needs, to, that needs a touch of God. We're not talking about those things. I'm talking about those things that might be appealing to the flesh, but might not be the will of God. Well, I need God to give me this job. Is he going to take you out of church on Sunday? Yeah. Amen. I feel like preaching. I know, it, I know it's 12 o'clock, but I'm not near done. Amen. I'm going to preach this out. I want God to do this. Was well, it going to take your family out of the house of the Lord? Well, I, I want God to do this. Well, is it going to affect your spirituality? Yeah. It may not be good. You know, that, you know, everything that's good is not God? Everything that appears to be good is not of God. God answered Hezekiah's prayer out of his mercy. And God is a God of free will. I wonder what the Calvins do with that. God left him to try to see what he would do. It sounds like he had choices. 
Sounds like it wasn't predetermined what he was going to do. He made his choices, and his choice was, I'm going to bring the far country home. I ain't going to go, preacher. No, 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 preacher. I ain't going to the far country. I ain't going to go to a bar. But it's all right to have a little wine at supper every once in a while. I said, preacher, what nobody, oh, you'd be surprised. Amen. Well, I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to live in a moral lifestyle, but I'll read, I'll read those adultery, uh, adultery novels and, and I'll watch them, them adultery movies and fornication movies, but I'm not going to do that. You're bringing it in your home. What's the difference? Well, I, I ain't going to go to no country music concert where they drink and, and, all, and party all that, but I'll put it to it in my car. Well, I'm not going to cuss and stuff. I wouldn't, cuss, I wouldn't say those words, but you'll let them do it on the TV. Well, I'd never, I'd never let my kids run around with a bunch of strangers they don't know, but you let them do it on social media. What you're doing is, I ain't going out there, but I'm bringing out there in here. And you're going to lose it all. You're going to lose it all. There are some prayers left best if God didn't answer well, it's God's fault. It ain't God's fault. Hezekiah took, could have took those 15 years and served God and honored God, but he didn't. He brought the far country home. May God help us to be content if God says no. Come on, Brother Matthew, I'm done. He's, Judah, she's the cutest little thing in the world, but she's mean. Lord, she's mean. I really need to read about 19 verses for sake of context, so I'll let you remain seated, and we'll read these verses together. 2 Kings chapter 20 and verse number 1. The Bible said, In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death, and the prophet Isaiah the son of Amoz came to him, and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Then he turned his face to the wall and prayed unto the Lord, saying, I beseech thee, O Lord, remember now how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. And it came to pass, before Isaiah was gone out into the middle of the court, that the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Turn again and tell Hezekiah, the captain of my people, Thus saith the Lord God, of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer. I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will heal thee on the third day, and thou shalt go up into the house of the Lord. I will, and I will add unto thy days fifteen years, and I will deliver thee and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. And Isaiah said, Take a lump of figs, and they took and laid it on the bowl, and he recovered. And Hezekiah said unto Isaiah, What shall be the sign of the Lord that the Lord will heal me? And he said, I shall, uh, and he said that I shall go up into the house of the Lord the third day. And Isaiah said, This sign shalt thou have of the Lord, that the Lord will do uh, the thing that he has spoken. Shall the shadow go forward ten degrees, or go back ten degrees? And Hezekiah answered, It is a like thing for the shadow to go down ten degrees. Nay, but let the shadow return backwards ten degrees. And Isaiah the prophet cried unto the Lord, and he brought the shadow ten degrees backwards, by which it had gone down by the dial of Ahaz. And at that time, and I, got, I had this guy's name written out too because he has one of them difficult names like we dealt with in Sunday school this morning, if you know what I mean. Barodak Baladan. He's got a, it just rolls right off the tongue, don't it? 
At that time, that fellow, the son of Baladan, the king of Babylon, sent letters and a present unto Hezekiah, for he had heard that Hezekiah had been sick. And Hezekiah hearkened unto him and showed him all the house of his precious things, the silver and the gold and the spices and the precious ointment and all the house of his armor uh, that was found in his treasuries. And there was nothing in his house nor in all his dominion that Hezekiah showed them not. Then came Isaiah the prophet unto king Hezekiah and said unto him, What said these men? And from whence came they unto thee? And Hezekiah said, They are come from a far country, even from Babylon. And he said, What have they seen in thine house? And Hezekiah answered, All the things that are in mine house have they seen. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not showed them. And Isaiah said unto Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days come that all that is in thine house and that which thy fathers have laid up in store this day shall be carried into Babylon. Nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. And of thy sons that shall issue from thee, which thou shalt beget, they shall, uh, they shall they take away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Then said Hezekiah unto Isaiah, Good is the word of the Lord which thou hast spoken. And he said, is it not good if peace and truth be in my days? Let's have a word of prayer. Father, I want to thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for this text you brought us to. And, Lord, this thought you've given us out of the Scripture. I pray, Lord, you help us to deliver this message like you put it in our heart. And, uh, Lord, like you want it. And let preaching be what it needs to be today. And, Lord, may most of all, may Jesus Christ be magnified and all we say or do in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Contrary to popular belief, Hezekiah is not a book in the Bible. I had a friend of mine some years ago was at a youth meeting and he was trying to have some fun with the teenagers because all teenagers have the personality of that pew right there and, uh, you know, just kind of bland. And, you know, it's amazing they can't talk. Uh, you know, it's like they turn 12 and they start grunting. They revert back to the caveman days. Uh, uh. And then finally, when they turn 20, they start talking. We wish they would have stayed quiet. Somebody say amen right there. Uh, but anyway, he was trying to have some fun and trying to relate to him. He says, all right, take your Bibles and turn to Hezekiah chapter number 2. Well, all the teenagers are looking, and he's, he's you know, kind of chuckling on the inside. Well, he felt bad because the pastor was sitting on the front row, and the pastor was flipping through his Bible. Well, he didn't want to embarrass the pastor. He said, wait a minute. God's changed my message. Turn to John chapter 2. <laughs> So Hezekiah is not a book in the Bible. Hezekiah is a king. He was a king of Judah. I want to say just a couple things uh, by way of introduction about Hezekiah. When you think about Hezekiah this morning, uh, we note the sovereignty of Hezekiah. Verse number 1 reminds us, and looking back to chapter number 18, reminds us that Hezekiah uh, was the king. We're reminded of his reign in 2 Kings chapter 18. Verse 1 and 2 teaches us uh, that he reigned for 25 years uh, there, 29 years, rather, over Judah. He became king at the age of 25 years old. And he reigned as kings. And notice his reputation in chapter 18, verse 3. The Bible said, And he did uh, that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David his father did. Uh, what a good reputation to have uh, that you did what was right. Oh, uh, we got a lot of people in the world that are doing what's wrong. Uh, but may God give us some people uh, that just want to live by that motto, just do what is right. 
right and honor God and live for God. We've got enough people living wrong. We need some people that will live right and that will honor God and that will stand for truth when it's popular and when it's not popular. And I'll be honest with you, I don't think it's ever been popular to do right and live right for God. So that means you're going to have to stand in unpopular times and an unpopular day. But having done all to stand, we're to stand therefore. He had that reputation that he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. But then we think about the revival that God let him see. Chapter 18, verse 4. Here's what Hezekiah did. He removed the high places and he broke the images and cut down the groves and break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For under those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it and he called it Nehushtan. He said, we're going to get rid of these idols. We're going to make sure we're not worshiping uh, anything around here. I mean, Hezekiah, he's having revival. Uh, he's breaking down the images. He's getting rid of the idols. He's even removing the idolatry uh, that gets in the church. By the way, you know, people still uh, worship the church. They worship the building. And so I said, well, I don't believe that. You let somebody change the color of the carpet. Let somebody replace the pews. Uh, let somebody restrap the parking lot and move things around and somebody lose their parking spot. Uh, you let somebody uh, move something. You'll find out who worships the building and who don't. Amen. I, I, I love our building. I thank God. Uh, but, but walls have to be painted and carpet has to be replaced and window units have to be put in. Somebody say amen right there. There's things that have to update and do and we want to make sure. Uh, God forbid I've said it over and over again. Uh, but if we lose this building, we don't lose our church. Uh, the church is the body of Christ. We could be under a pine tree somewhere and somebody say, well, I'd be hot. Well, I'm sweating all the time anyway, so it don't make much difference to me. Uh, but we could meet together and still worship and sing and pray and, and worship God and preach the Word of God. We don't need to worship the church. That's what the Israelites were doing, these, these people in Judah. And Hezekiah said, we're not going to do that. He had a revival. And then I thought about this. He had resolved. Chapter 18, verse 5. He trusted in the Lord as God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were for him. For he claimed to the Lord and departed not from following him. Boy, ain't that good. I mean, here's a man. He just served God with everything he had. He claimed to the Lord. He didn't depart from the world of the Lord for his life. I tell you, he lived an obedient life unto God. Hey, we got enough people uh, that are living contrary to that book. Uh, they're living contrary to the word of God. Uh, their life is disobedient. God is not pleased by that. May God give us some people. Uh, they'll just make up their mind. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to stand for God. It don't matter if my friends like it. It don't matter if my family likes it. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to be crude. Uh, but as for me and my house, uh, we will serve the Lord. Oh, where are the Daniels of this day? Where are the Joshuas of this day? Oh, where are the Davids of this day? Oh, where are the three Hebrew boys of this day? Oh, that'll take a stand oh, in an unpopular society and in a wicked world. Thank God for Hezekiah, a leader of a nation. Must be nice. A leader of a nation that had a backbone oh, that says, I'm going to live for God. I'm going to trust in the Lord. I'm going to honor God with my life. Amen. We know about the sovereignty of Hezekiah. But there's a lot of things we can say, but then we notice in our text we read this morning about the sickness of Hezekiah. These we, we learn about Hezekiah's sickness. The Bible teaches us that Isaiah, we notice uh, the pronouncement of death. Isaiah comes, and this is the Isaiah that authored the book of Isaiah. Isaiah comes and he informs Hezekiah that he needs to set his house in order because he's going to die. 
We know the, pr- the pronouncement of death, but there is the prayer that was desperate. Isaiah leaves Hezekiah, and Hezekiah turns his face to the wall, and he begins to pray, and he begins to call out to God. And I don't believe there's anything wrong oh, with Hezekiah's prayer in these verses. He said, Lord, I've tried to honor you. I've tried to live for you. And Lord, would you spare my life? And he- Isaiah is walking out of the courtyard, and while Isaiah is on his way out, oh, the Spirit of God speaks to Isaiah and tells him to go back and tells Hezekiah oh, that he's going to add 15 years to his life. Boy, ain't that amazing? We know about the sovereignty of, of Hezekiah. And we know about and this te- the sickness of Hezekiah. But then the sparing of Hezekiah. You know why God did not allow Hezekiah to die? It was the mercy of God. God had mercy. And I want to, you know why God answered, amen. Uh, you know, a lot of people, we get prideful in our prayer sometimes. If we're not careful, we'll say, God answered my prayer. And instead of giving God the glory for that, we're making it look like, boy, you see, man, I'm some great prayer warrior. God answered my prayer. Hey, I want to remind us all this morning, we can say, you can say that two ways. God answered my prayer and it be lifted up in pride. Or it can be God answered my prayer. Hey, I'm telling you, anytime God answers any of our prayers, it is nothing more other than the mercy of God. Amen. Aren't you glad? There's been a few times oh, when God has answered my... And more than a few, thank God. There's been many times when God has heard and answered my prayers. And He's done what my friends couldn't do. He's done what my preacher buddies couldn't do. He's done what nobody else could do. Oh, but God done that. Anybody know about that this morning? Oh, when the situation was bad. Oh, when things looked hard. Oh, God heard from the glory world. And God reached that hand down. And God intervene in that situation and it was nothing more other than the mercy of God aren't you glad his mercies are new every morning God don't have to do anything for me God don't owe me anything oh, but when he heard my prayers and he meets my needs it's nothing more than the mercy of God it's nothing on me I have nothing to brag about I can't lift up myself I can't brag on my name oh but I can lift up the name of Jesus Christ I can lift up the name of God the Father God the Son and God the Holy Spirit that is the mercy of God that he hears my prayers aren't you glad for that God don't have to answer one prayer you pray but he does that because he's merciful hey man he's merciful aren't, hey, man, aren't you glad you did not get justice but you got mercy man if we got justice oh, we'd all be in hell this morning but aren't you glad oh, that we have an advocate with the father oh, Jesus Christ the righteous and he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only oh, but for the sins of the whole world amen it's the mercy of God his mercy endureth forever amen we notice the mercy of God in the sparing of Hezekiah. But we notice the mandate of God. He said in verse number 5, Behold, I will heal thee, and on the third day thou shalt go up to the house of the Lord. Uh Uh-oh. God answered a prayer, and then expected Hezekiah to be in church. Ain't that good? Ain't that good? Amen. Somebody said, Preacher, I'm here. Good. We'll talk about all the people that ain't here. Oh, God, if you'll do this, I'll go to church every Sunday. And God does it, and you ain't seen him. Amen. Couldn't find him with FBI search warrant. Somebody help me. Amen. I'm telling you, God expects, if we're not careful, oh, we're nothing more than a bunch of these liberal Democrats that have their hands out, always crying for a handout, and we never give God any appreciation, and we never give God any praise, and we never give God any glory. I mean, he puts breath in our body every day. Uh, he protects us. He got us to church safely this morning. Uh, have you rode on the road recently? Obviously, how is a 
bunch of nuts out there, especially when I'm driving. Amen. And and I appreciate nobody shouting right there when that's road with me. When, when, when Richie goes with me, he just goes and takes the keys and starts driving. He don't ask for you want me to drive. He just goes ahead and gets in the driver's seat. Amen. But what I'm saying this morning is God kept you safe on the road. Oh, God gave you food. Oh, God gave you provisions. Oh, we all had to decide what outfit we was going to wear today. Uh, and we all had to do, make those decisions. Some of us decided what car we was going to drive. I'll tell you, God's been good to us. God answered so many prayers. So it shouldn't be much for us to go to church and to read the Bible and to pray and to say thank you. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Don't you pick on that liberal crowd that wants a handout, wants their student loans paid, and they just want a lot of stuff for a whole lot of nothing when you're not willing to uh, worship the Lord and the beauty of His holiness and give God the praise that is due to His name. Preacher, I don't feel like praising God. Well, next time your power bill's due and you don't feel like paying it, don't pay it. You'll be sitting in the dark. You know why you pay it? I don't pay I don't ever feel like paying any of my bills. Somebody help me. Amen. I don't feel like, I'm like, oh boy, I get to pay bills today. You know why I pay my bills? Because they're due. Psalm 29 says, give unto the Lord the glory due to His name. I don't worship God uh, because I feel like it. I worship God because it's due. Amen. And when I got up this morning, I had breath in my body and I had an invoice. Did you know that? You had an invoice too. Because the Bible said, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. So I received an invoice. Every time I take a breath, another invoice is being dropped in my box that I've got to do. Amen. Give the glory, the glory due to His name. That's why you ought to say amen at church. That's why you ought to sing at church. That's why you ought not sit here like a wooden Indian. Amen. You ought to come to church and be excited. You ought to stay awake during the preaching. You ought to say amen. You ought to sing. Amen. You ought to testify. You ought to be glad to be in church. You ought to smile. Some of y'all can't smile. If you smile, if you smile, your face would fall off. Amen. I'm just telling you this morning, we ought to come to church and be excited and give the Lord the glory due to His name. Amen. And you ought to be on time too. Amen. That's right. That ain't in the verse, but I just threw it in there for good measure. Amen. Then notice the miracle of God. I hadn't even got where I'm preaching yet. The miracle of God, verses 8 through 11. Hezekiah requests that God will give him a sign that he's really going to heal him. And that he's really going to do that. And Isaiah said, okay, you want God to move the shadow, talking about the sun, you want God to move the, sh the sun 10 degrees forward, make the day shorter, move it 10 degrees backward, make the day longer. And Hezekiah said, what's well, a light thing for him to make the day shorter? Because we can see days getting shorter. He, but obviously this was times when the days were longer, or, or, or days were already shorter. He said, so... Have God move it 10 degrees back give us a little more daylight. By the way, God done that before in the book of Joshua for Joshua. Y'all remember that battle? What God do? God moved it back and improved himself. Boy, that was a miracle. That was a miracle God did. Amen. But I'm not preaching on the sovereignty of Hezekiah. I'm not preaching on the sickness or the sparing of Hezekiah. But I'm interested this morning for the next, wow, 13 minutes. That's terrible, ain't it? I'm interested in the sin of Hezekiah. He made an awful mistake. Amen. In these verses, I ain't going to worry about the time. I'm just going to preach. Amen. I'm, it, it ain't, it's only 1140. I'm just going to preach. Amen. In these verses, we learn that Hezekiah made some vital mistakes in the additional years that God gave him. Look at verse number 14. This is our text. Then came Isaiah the prophet unto King Hezekiah and said unto him, What said these men? From whence came they unto thee? And Hezekiah said, 
They are come from a far country, even from Babylon. I have preached so much about people going to the far country. Going to the far country. We use the prodigal son, how he took all his father's wealth that was allotted to him, and he went to the far country. Amen? We've heard that preached on? Hezekiah didn't go to the far country. Hezekiah brought the far country into his home. That's what he said in these verses. He brought the Babylonians in, showed them all of his house. I want to preach on this morning, bringing the far country into your home. That's what he did. I want us to know, number one, the identification. Look at verse number 12. We're introduced to this name, man, named uh, Barrero Dak Baladan. And he is the son of Baladan, the king of, the king of Babylon. Notice the depiction. Babylon, throughout the word of God, is always a picture of rebellious ways, the rule of the world, and the reputation of wickedness. Babylon is never in a positive sense. Babylon is never in, is in a positive light. It's always picturing the world. It's always picturing wickedness. You remember when in Genesis chapter number 11, that tower of Babel. Oh, when they're building that tower up to God. And they're trying, they weren't going to get to God, but it was an element of pride. Let us make us a name. It was an element of pride. And they were living in pride. And God uh, confounded the languages there at Babel. And, and that's where Babylon come from. We know studying the prophecy that Babylon, uh, religious Babylon and, 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 and financial Babylon will be big during the tribulation period and all that kind of stuff. And Babylon, the great whore of Babylon, Revelation 19 talks about. And so you've got all these things going on with Babylon. In other words, Babylon is never in a positive sense. But that's what he brought into his house. The depiction. Notice the deception. Look at verse number 12 again, please. And at that time, Barodak-Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present unto Hezekiah, for he had heard that Hezekiah had been sick. Ain't that nice? He heard Hezekiah had been sick, so he sends him a card. I don't know if he sent him flyers. He about said he sent him a present. I don't know if he sent flyers. I don't know if he sent an Amazon gift card. I don't know what he sent him, but he sent him a present. But you know what it was? It was all a tactical move by Babylon to infiltrate Judah. It was all a tactic to try to sneak in. You know, that's where the world is. They want to sneak in and deceive you. The flesh, amen. You know what Hezekiah, he gets, he gets that letter. He gets that gift. You know what he might have thought? Well, wasn't that nice? Them Babylonians ain't as bad as what I heard they were. Nobody from Judah sent me a card. Nobody from Judah sent me a get well Amazon gift card. So I said, it wasn't that. Well, you don't know what it was. Your guess is as good as mine. It could have been a gift card. I mean, they're not far from the Amazon where they're at. Amen. Uh, but what I'm saying is in this text, that he, he might have thought, well, they're not as bad as I thought they were. That's the way deception is with the world. Well, I can let this music in my home. It's really not that bad. Well, I can let oh, this movie in my home. It's really not that bad. I mean, I can let uh, this ideology in my home, I can let this false Bible in my home, it's really not that bad, but it's deception. It's deception. That's the way the world is. It wants to deceive you. Well, and, and parents, let me preach this. I know we got a lot of uh, young people, and I, I preached about that ostrich on Wednesday night. Hope you enjoyed that. And, and, and I know a little boy was here the other night. He went home and told his grandma everything about that I said about the ostrich. Amen. And I said, bless her heart. Uh, but anyway, uh, uh, I preached to parents and talked about who, you know, who they're talking to and who they're around. Uh, but y'all not, as they get older, y'all don't even let them date a lost person. Don't let them date somebody that don't go to church. 
Amen. I'm of the persuasion. Don't even let them date somebody that's not a Baptist. Don't even believe like you do. They ain't going to do them and cause friction and problems in their home. Did you know you could fall in love with the wrong person? Hey, man, I understand they can, people can get right and people can get saved and all that kind of stuff, but I'm just saying you ought to set the precedence uh, that we're not going to be deceived. I can tell you of so many situations where it's been a, it, it, it don't matter if it's a guy or a girl, some, 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 some punk, that can be a guy or a girl, sneak into a church, put on a facade, take some good young person out, and less than two years they're out of church. Why? Babylon came in. Deception came in. I know it happens. I've seen it. Deception. Notice not only the identification, notice the invitation. Look at verse 13. Notice his hearkening. And Hezekiah hearkened unto them. Apparently, in this letter that the king of Babylon sent, he requested to come and visit Judah. He requested to come and visit. And so that's why Hezekiah hearkened. The word hearken means to hear, to listen to, to obey, to give consent to. That's why I think that in that letter of Babylon, he says, hey, I know you've been sick. You mind if we come visit you? I mean, that's what you do to sick people. You go visit them. And, and so he allows them. He invites them into their home. What are we letting in our homes? What are we letting in our minds? What are we letting in our houses? What doors are we opening? Hey, you may open that door, but it don't mean you can shut it. You may open up that door, but that don't mean you can, you can shut it and get it back like it was. The invitation is hearkening. But then notice the hospitality. Watch what, watch what Hezekiah did. And he showed him all the house of his precious things, the silver and the gold and the spices and the precious ornaments and all the house of his armor and all that was found in his treasuries. Hezekiah welcomes the Babylonians into his home with open arms and shows him every room in his house. I mean, literally, he's walking around. He's, come here, Barrowback Baladan. He kind of looks like one, don't he? Hey, he said, come on, I want to show you, I want to show you my house. I want to show you, look in this room over here. It's really hot in here, we've got to get a window unit, uh, but this, this is the room here. And then, and then look out here, it's raining, you don't want to go out there. And so, <laughs> and he just shows, he takes him to every room in his house, walks around, shows him everything. I mean, he walks him up and down, uh, every crevice, he shows, and look at that right there, look at this right here, look at Steve video and the piano. I mean, he just walks all over the place. He shows him everything in his house, shows him everything. Everything. The Bible said there wasn't one thing in his house that he didn't show him. Yeah. Then it goes on to say, Brother Richie, that there wasn't anything in his dominion. So the house is where he lived, but the dominion is what he had. I didn't tell you, sit down. Sit down. <laughs> the dominion is what he had authority over. So not only does he have his house, but that could mean the temple. Because he's the king. So then... Come see my church. Now look at look at all these treasures we have. Look at all these treasures we have. Look at all these treasures we have. Look at look at all these look at all these treasures we have. This is silver treasures. And, and look at look at all these treasures we have. I'm coming. <laughs> look at all these look at all these treasures. Look at this look at this gorilla that we have here. Amen. Look at all. He shows him everything. Then he takes them to other people's homes. His dominion, because the king, he's got dominion over all, and he's taken them all to the city, and he's showing them everything. What nothing that he didn't take Babylon into. 
Babylon didn't come in. Baladan didn't come in with a sword and a spear showing he walked in and was treated with hospitality, led everywhere, opened every door, opened every room, opened every treasure chest, everything. Most likely, I believe he did, took him into the temple, showed him everything. There's the, there's the identification. There is the invitation. But then look at verse number 14. I, I wrote this down. He allowed the world to have full access to his house, his home, and his life. Notice the inquiring, verse 14. This inquiring involves a confrontation. Then came Isaiah the prophet and the king Hezekiah. God sent a preacher, a prophet, to come and confront the king over what he allowed in his home. Somebody said, Isaiah didn't have no business doing that. Yeah, he did. He washed for his soul. He was the man of God in Hezekiah's life. God had used Isaiah to be a blessing to Hezekiah. And God stirs in Hezekiah's heart, or Isaiah's heart. So you need to go find out about that. The confrontation. Notice the concern. Here's what Isaiah said, verse 14. And said unto them, What said these men? And from whence came they unto thee? Well, I just don't want that preacher getting in my business. Why does he care what I listen to? Why does he care what I wear? Why does he care what I watch? It ain't none of his business. Oh, you're right. You're, a, you're an adult. You can make decisions. But if I know of something that's dangerous, I'm going to let you know. Hey, brother, brother Charles, if we're outside uh, weed-eating or cutting grass or maybe cutting down some trees like we will later this year, and I'm over there cutting down a tree or whatever, that'll be a sight, me and a chainsaw. And over there cutting down a tree, and I look, and I see a copperhead scroll uh, heading towards Brother Charles, I'm going to say, Ah, it'd be all right. I don't want to offend Brother Charles by getting in his business and telling him that a copperhead is crawling up behind him. I don't want to offend him because, I mean, after all, he might like copperheads. And who am I, who am I to deprive him of spending time with a copperhead? So I'm not going to say anything. He would want me to yell. He'd want me to throw the chainsaw at the copperhead. Amen. I mean, he'd want me to do everything I could to alert. Hey, brother, copperhead's coming up behind you. You're on a work site. Boards later. Hey, now watch out. There might be some boards with some nails sticking up. Well, I may want to step on a nail. You're all getting in my business. I may want to get a tetanus shot. That's the way people act, though. Well, I don't want that preacher preaching on how I ought to live, how, what I ought to listen to, what I ought to dread. They get all my, in my Isaiah didn't care. He said, what did they say? Who are they? And what did you show them? Now, I'm not to lord over God's heritage. No, 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 no. But I'm to preach the word of God and warn you about sin and warn you about dangers. Notice the compliance, verse 15. He said, what have they seen in thine house? And Hezekiah answered, all the things that are in my house have they seen. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not showed them. It's like he's proud of that. Notice the indictment, verse number 16. Because of his foolishness and invitation allowing the world in his home, the prophet Isaiah pronounced an indictment or consequences for his foolish choices. In other words, there was a high cost for his low living. What did it cost him? Well, first of all, it cost him the contents of his house. Verse 16, And Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days come that all that is in thy house, that which thy fathers have laid up and stored in this day, shall be carried into Babylon. There shall nothing be left, saith the Lord. That's why I believe he took him to all the houses, all the streets in Judah. Because God said, there ain't going to be nothing left that you showed him. And they come in and they ravaged Judah. He lost everything that he showed the Babylonians. He lost the contents of his house and he lost the children of his home. Verse 18, 
and of thy sons that shall issue from thee, which thou shalt beget, they shall take away, they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Far worse than losing his possessions, far worse than losing his treasures, he said, you're going to lose your children. They're going to be carried off to Babylon. Because he allowed the world in his home, it cost him his family. It cost him. Now here's the last thing. Notice the indifference. Verse 19. The word indifference is not a word we use much. Here's what it means. It means a lack of interest, concern, or sympathy. Watch his indifference. Watch the acceptance of the word. Verse 19. Then said Hezekiah unto Isaiah, Good is the word of the Lord which thou hast spoken. Now let's bring it to 2023. We're in July, right? July 2023. My birthday is coming up in September. For anybody that don't know, it's coming up. Here's what, here's what Hezekiah did. That was a good sermon, preacher. Thank you. A good word today, preacher. Good is the word of the Lord. So how do you know that? Because I see it every week. I'll preach on things. I'll preach. Somebody said, you going to preach on things you know I'm doing? Yes. Why? Why would I preach on things that other people are doing at other churches that ain't going to hear me? I'm trying to help you. That's like a doctor saying, all right, um, you come in here with a broke arm, uh, but uh, I don't want to offend you, so we're going to work on your leg because I've got a patient down the room that's got a broken leg. Because I don't want to offend you by identifying that you have a broken arm. That's what all these preachers do when they want to preach on sin. I have a problem with these preachers that want to blow the sins of the nation out, but they won't say one word about the sins of their congregation. They won't blow the politicians out, but they won't say nothing about the hippies. Amen. They won't say nothing about the immodesty. Amen. I'm not against helping people and teaching people, but I'm talking about people that know better, and they just won't preach against nothing. You ought to thank God. that I, I'm not saying thank God for me, but thank God we have preaching around here, not just me, that preaches where we live. This is not right. Draw, some guys I wish would just say something anything say, say you don't like the devil at least be against something amen he said boy he said good is the word of the Lord that was a good sermon Isaiah the acceptance of the word but watch the apathy of his ways and he said is it not good if peace and truth be in my days his response was this well, as long as everything's good in my days, I'm good with it. He, j- he was just told, your whole kingdom's going to be ravished. He was just told, your children are going to be taken to Babylon, your boys going to be made eunuchs, and we're in mixed company, but that's not good. They're going to be tortured. They're going to have flesh hooks put in their chest and drugged to Babylon. He said, it's all right. As long as I got it good. What a selfish man. Notice the, here's how I know he's selfish. The absence of weeping. Look at verse number 19 again. And he said, it's not good if peace and truth be in my days. And Hezekiah wept. No, it don't say that. Oh, but when he got sick, look at verse number 3. And Hezekiah wept sore. Because it's about him. About my sickness. Boy, i got to have some help. But when it comes to his children and, the, and, his, and his nation, his church, if you would, it's all right. That's what happens when you bring the far country in your home. You'll become apathetic. We don't even know how to weep anymore. 
There's an interesting verse in the parallel reading of this, 2 Chronicles chapter 32, verse 31. The writer of Chronicles, whoever that might be, Charles Mayer wrote it, I'm not sure. That's his guess as good as mine. But he makes this statement, he's summarizing Hezekiah's life, and he makes this statement. Howbeit in the business of the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon, who sent unto him to inquire of the wonder that was done in the land, this is so interesting, God left him to try him that he might know all that was in his heart. Brother Rich, I have a hard time wrapping my mind around that, but it's almost like God stepped back and said, I'm going to see what he's going to do. Now, let's make the application. Hezekiah's in a bad sickness, and he prays, and God hears his prayer, and we're shouting about that mercy, are we not? What are you going to do with the extra 15 years God bless you with? I submit to you, you listen to this preacher this morning, I submit to you that it had been better for Hezekiah if God had not answered his prayer. There are some prayers left better unanswered. It had been better for Hezekiah if God would have said, No, you're going to die. Brother Richie, I'm even going to step out to say, Israel would not have went into Babylonian captivity had Hezekiah not prayed that prayer. Because it is here when God makes that indictment, you're going to be carried into Babylon. Judah's going to be carried. We know Israel had already been, the kingdom split. Israel's already been taken to Assyrian captivity. And Judah's the last one standing. I submit to you, Judah would have been standing if God had said no. Well, it's God's fault. No, it's not. God answered, all right, I'm going to give you 15 more years of mercy. Now, what are you going to do with it? Hey, friend, what are you going to do with all that mercy God showed you? God spared you from car wrecks. God spared you from death. God has spared you from wrecking your life. What are you going to do with all that mercy? What are you going to do with all that compassion? What are you going to do with all that favor God's given you? You're going to be like Hezekiah? He's, God's done said, I'm going to live 15 more years. I'm going to go jump off a building. I'm going to do what I want to do. Because I'm guaranteed 15 years because God answered my prayer. He got lifted up in pride because God answered his prayer. Now, I know we don't hear preaching like this much, and we don't like to hear this kind of preaching, but there are some prayers of ours that God don't need to answer. Are you hearing me? There are some prayers that we pray that God does not need to answer, and we're sitting over here crying like a three-year-old, God does not love me anymore. He don't answer my prayer. Oh, get over it. Quit posting it on Facebook. I'm going to unfollow you if you don't quit. We just feel all bad. God, God might not want you to answer that prayer because you might birth a Manasseh who was one of the most wickedest kings in Israel. The next chapter in Second Chronicles chapter 33 will tell you about that. He's a wicked king. He got right with God at the end and it's done too late. Hezekiah was conceived during that extra 15 years that God gave. or Manasseh was conceived in that extra 15 years that God gave Hezekiah. It would have been better if God had not answered his prayer because Hezekiah did not respond right to the favor and the mercy of God in his life. He took it as, well, I'm going to do what I want to now. In fact, I'm going to bring Babylon in. I'm going to show them everything I've got. I'm going to show them my home. I'm going to show them my family. And, well, Hezekiah, you're going to lose your kingdom and you're going to lose your children. Ah, that's all right. Long's good in my days. 
So whatever you're praying about and God's not giving you, I'm not talking about praying for the salvation of a soul. Amen. You understand that. I'm not praying, I'm not against you praying for somebody that's sick, that needs to, that needs a touch of God. We're not talking about those things. I'm talking about those things that might be appealing to the flesh, but might not be the will of God. I need God to give me this job. Is he going to take you out of church on Sunday? Amen. I feel like preaching. I know, it, I know it's 12 o'clock, but I'm not near done. Amen. I'm going to preach this out. I want God to do this. Was well, it going to take your family out of the house of the Lord? Well, I, I want God to do this. Well, is it going to affect your spirituality? It may not be good. You know, that, you know everything that's good is not God? Everything that appears to be good is not of God. God answered Hezekiah's prayer out of his mercy. And God is a God of free will. I wonder what the Calvins do with that. God left him to try to see what he would do. It sounds like he had choices. It sounds like it wasn't predetermined what he was going to do. He made his choices, and his choice was, I'm going to bring the far country home. I ain't going to go, preacher. No, 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 preacher. I ain't going to the far country. I ain't going to go to a bar. But it's all right to have a little wine at supper every once in a while. So I said, preacher, what, nobody, oh, you'd be surprised. Amen. Well, I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to live in a moral lifestyle, but I'll read, I'll read those adultery, uh, adultery novels, and, and I'll watch them, them adultery movies and fornication movies, but I'm not going to do that. You're bringing it in your home. What's the difference? Well, I, I ain't going to go to no country music concert where they drink and, and, all, and party all that, but I'll put it in my car. Well, I'm not going to cuss and stuff. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say those words, but you'll let them do it on the TV. Well, I'd never, I'd never let my kids run around with a bunch of strangers they don't know, but you let them do it on social media. What you're doing is, I ain't going out there, but I'm bringing out there in here. And you're going to lose it all. You're going to lose it all. There are some prayers left best if God didn't answer well, it's God's fault. It ain't God's fault. Hezekiah took, could have took those 15 years and served God and honored God, but he didn't. He brought the far country home. May God help us to be content if God says no. Come on, Brother Matthew, I'm done. He's, Judah, she's the cutest little thing in the world, but she's mean. Lord, she's mean. 